but I just was okay. like, oh, it's almost eight o'clock. Let's uh, yeah. start recording just to. So I, yeah. for if we decide to use this to recap, we're talking about the um, the different experiences, I guess, with the internet after after yeah. an hour long conversation of music. How Jacob and, knows so much music. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so like I, I'm on Reddit a lot, but like I don't and like I follow some subreddits, but like I don't I'm not like a known commenter on like any specific subreddit. Like I don't like constantly respond to things like or communicate or provide information, that sort of thing in any p- specific subreddit. And then like so I'm not gonna say his name but he's not the brother of the president of the company that I work for, but the other guy who works in packing. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like he'll talk about like these memes he's seen or something like that, or like something he was, you know, had some funny thing he saw on the internet. And I'm like, where do you hang out on the internet? Like just not like he couldn't possibly hang out on the internet. It's just like, well, is he like, is he a big Twitter guy? Like, does he like, is he, just on Facebook and that's where all this stuff is coming through. Like he was talking about like to the other guy, like, Oh, you know, it comes up on your feed. And I'm like, well, that sounds like Facebook to me, but like, I don't imagine either one of them as big Facebookers. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it is like, there is clearly like different pockets of internet too. Yeah. Well, and and it became very clear too, like this year at Childeberg, I thought was kind of interesting because there was, the the general group was Twitter, but there was mm-hmm. also like a small group of Facebook people and a small group of Instagram people, and then yeah. crossover within those. And so it's like, like there are very real specific big discorders. Yeah, right. Yeah, which that that's one that like I'm trying to get into Discord, and I just don't like it. Yeah, like, but I that's the thing is like. I like talking to people. I do not like group chats that aren't like, here's the address. Here's what you need to bring Mason. Here's what you need to bring Jacob. Here's what you need to bring. Blah, blah, blah. See you at this time. Like, I don't mind group texts like that or like, like, um, and I know it's not your favorite, but because I use an iPhone, like I message group chats, especially like when it's my family, like, like if my mom had like a foot surgery or something like that and like my dad will be like, your mom's out. Okay. And like, he'll provide us information. Like I don't mind those so much, yeah. but like the whole discord thing where it's like, like in, you know, people like uh Agora brewing who are very good at it. <laughs> like right. you'll make a comment and then like two pages later, like or two pages worth of other comments later, like he'll somehow reply to your comment in a logical way. Like it's a, it's a thing, but it's like, it's like why the, but they're so far apart. Like <laughs> how does this work? Like, and then like, you know, like the, like I'm like, I had to turn off the notification for discord on my phone. Cause it just always had like a notification. Oh yeah. And it wasn't yeah. like somebody was talking to me. It was, somebody posted in this thing and I couldn't figure out where they were posting. Yeah. And that, I'm I like, have that issue all the time. And then they yeah. call me boomer and they're like, uh, they're like, okay, boomer. <laughs> Cause like, I'm like, did somebody tag me? Where do I go look at this? I don't, 
Yeah. Like, is there a place where I can go see my notifications? And they're like, well, go to your inbox. And like, I don't even know where my inbox is on Discord. Yeah. Well, it's like, so do you, do you guys use Slack at work to like internally communicate or like teams? No, teams. Yeah. Mostly yeah. teams. Yeah. So like in teams, like, like when we switched to teams, they created like a bunch of channels. Yeah. And like, they're all logical except for like, there's a company wide one. And then there's one called general. And it's like, they're, but they're the same thing. And then like, what's so funny is like somebody will reply like at me and I'll have been away from my desk for a while and I'll come back and I'm like, I always try to look at like the numbered notification and not the one where it's like, see where they mentioned you and you can kind of see where it was. Right. <laughs> so I'm always so confused by it. I'm just like, it's like, I'm one of the young people that work here. This is, this is hard. Like, yeah. how does anybody else do this? So, uh, I think the, the long story is, uh, we need to go back to the 2010 internet, you know, two years after we met basically where yeah. like the internet made sense. Now, <laughs> well, this, everything is, was on this Facebook. is, I mean, my consensus is, and, and what I've always been trying to recreate in the concept and like, uh, my pursuit of Childerberg town is a situation where people just don't use it because they are interacting in real life. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, they for like, I, I, I wouldn't say that the, I don't think the internet came in and like put wedges exactly between people. I think that there were already growing spaces between human interaction and the internet kind of filled those spaces. And because like, and you know what, the, the other thing too, and I will acknowledge this before we get into a long conversation about this is I do have a very idealized perception of the past, mm -hmm. but I also in acknowledging that I don't think that having an I idealized perception of the past is bad and that there's a reason why you idealize things is that the idealized version of something is what you should try to create, not go back to such and such. So like, you know how like people are always like, people will be like, Oh, I wish we could go back to the fifties. And then people will be like, Oh yeah. Where they were racist and sexist. And you're like, no, what I mean is like the Andy Griffith show where people were like polite and not dickheads and stuff like that. Where like people like you didn't exist. And, <laughs> <laughs> but no, but uh, like, and they'll be like, Oh, well that's just, that's just fictional TV. And I go, yes. And people watch that because they wanted to live and feel good about a prosperous town where people knew each other and got along. And when they had problems, they worked it out peacefully and things were just generally good. And we should strive for a community that is just generally good. And it's okay to idealize that. And, and, you know, some things may not work out and then you work and you work those things out, but there's clearly stuff that's not working out right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, I think that's the thing that is so difficult in my mind, I guess, is like, since you live so far away, like, and you know, like when you were like, when we got pregnant with my kid, it like, you know, we, we came a little more insular. And then when we had the kid, like we were even more insular at first, yeah. you know, it's like, you got to deal with all that stuff. And like, you know, fairness to your wife, like 
babies are loud and she just wasn't ready for that. That's fine. Like, but like that kind of it, like one of the things I find really like, as we were talking about before, it's like, I really admire what I perceive in the British culture of a lot of like clubs and fraternal organizations, or maybe not even fraternal organizations, just like there's stuff to do that isn't work and it isn't necessarily like exclusive. And I, I think that's one of the things that like I find so interesting maybe about the idea of living in like Great Britain is like, yeah, the northernmost town in Scotland and the southernmost town in England are far away in their own ways, but they're not that far away. Yeah. So like that kind of common, somewhat common culture across Great Britain, like you can get anywhere in Great Britain, <clears throat> Rel- not relatively easily per se, but it, it's not like when you're going, I'm like, oh yeah, where's your best friend live? Texas, yeah. a thousand plus miles away. Like, you know, it's like if you wanted to go like, especially like, you know, one of our favorite shows, The Detectorists, it's like, you, if you are a metal detector enthusiast and you live in this one town and there's another club that's an hour to two hours away, that could be like a completely different area of the country and like new different things to see and do things like that. And like here it's like, oh yeah, there's this social club I want to go to in Richmond. And you're like, oh yeah, I go across the Bay Bridge Tunnel or not the Bay Bridge Tunnel, but like the the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel. It's like going to be an hour in traffic just to get to the tunnel and then an hour plus drive. And not that like England doesn't have those things, but it it just, to me, it has always seemed like there was more ways to just be able to do stuff together there. Yeah. And that might be, but I think, I think a lot of it is perception, but I think it's that that's sort of what we're talking about a little bit is that just the, the perception of something I think people will apply their perception of what they prefer mm-hmm. to something. And so, and I don't think there's anything wrong with going, this is what I think it's like. And even if it's not, you can acknowledge that it's not that way and that's fine. But even if it's not that way, this is what I want. And this is what I'll work yeah. toward. Exactly. And, and that's where like, we're, you know, like my wife looked at her student loans and went like, okay, I've got 17 months left on this thing. And then we're moving to Texas. Like that is an actual statement she made to me. Nice. And so did, did, wait, did I tell you that? Did I tell you that this was funny to me uh, before you get into your story? There's sure. a town, ta- there's a town in uh, Texas. It's, it's down in the um, down near kind of near Marfa, like way, mm-hmm. way out sort of, I guess it would be near, uh, sort of by El Paso, but like it's way in that part of Texas. So it's, it's yeah. really far away from here, but it's called Fort Stockton. And I was <laughs> like, Oh, <laughs> Mason actually should move to Fort Stockton. <laughs> it's just cause it's funny. But then when you yeah. like zoom, when you zoom in and do the street view, cause you know, that's what I do is anytime yeah. I see anything, I go and do a street view of everything. Like the town is like 90% abandoned. Yeah. Which is kind of cool in its own way. So it's like Stockton. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, you found Childerberg Town. Just yeah, take exactly. over Fort Stockton. Yeah, we'll just take over yeah, exactly. Fort Childerberg Town. <laughs> right. <laughs> just like the most ridiculous name possible, Fort Childerberg Town. 
Berg. <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's it's an interesting town. Like when you do, I, like I love doing Street View. It's one of my favorite yeah. things. It's just like all of these old abandoned buildings that a lot of them are really cool, mm-hmm. but they're that like they're. It's just clear that nobody has lived in this area for you know. 15, 20 years, maybe some, yeah. maybe longer. So it's just, it's just interesting. And then I always am kind of like, this is one of the things that I always thought, like once you and I get, you know, once we have our kids grown up, once I have kids and then those kids grow up and then we've got some <laughs> free time on our hands is like to go yeah. and like check these places out and then be like, what was this place? Like, why is this place here? Cause it's like 90% abandoned now, but yeah, there, the reason why it was here originally, there must've yeah. been. Yeah. Well, it's a, a fort. Yeah. So it must have been a fort along the border that just never materialized further. Yeah. So like yeah. that that's the thing that's been, you know, you do like street view. So we've been doing a lot of like Zillow looking, trying to figure out what and like that's the like I know different parts of the country are different. I understand that. But like when you live in Hampton Roads, there's seven cities. Yeah. There's no county. So like Virginia Beach is the size of a county. Norfolk is the size of a county. So when you're like, I'm looking for a home and you put in Norfolk, it's like fourth, you know, like however many homes are for sale, it's like 400 homes. And there is a huge variety of them. But like when I'm trying to find like houses for sale in like Texas, it's like I put in Fort Worth and like I don't know any of the neighborhoods. I don't know any of the regions and Fort Worth isn't huge. It's big, but it's not like it just doesn't feel the same way as like looking for a place in Norfolk did. And like so many of the homes are these giant McMansion-y things. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Or it's like. You look at it and it looks like a a house where it's like half a room on one side of the door, half a room on the other side of the front door. And this is just the front. Like I'm, you know, I know the rest of the house is bigger and it's like four bedroom, three bath, $529,000. And you're like, you're looking at the front door going like, you could kill everybody in this house by firing a shotgun through that window and that window. (laughs) Like there's just no way anybody would be able to get out of the way. And then like, I don't look, I don't click on them because they're just so much outside of the price range that I think would even be possible now. Yeah. That's what's so crazy about a lot of stuff around here too, is that it's like, it, it, I don't understand the price disparities. Like there, there'll be, there'll be things. Well, and and a lot of it's like the further away from Dallas, downtown Dallas or Dallas proper, the cheaper it is. But then once you get closer to a downtown area, it's more expensive, but then there'll just be these random areas that are really expensive for some reason. Yeah. And that, and that's, what's made searching for And like, there's so many houses where it's like, this is clearly like a mid nineties to middle two thousands build, like kind of like the best way I could, like the way I always seem to think about them when I look at them is like, this is what I think was going on leading into 2008 mm-hmm. or they're like houses like yours from the seventies where I'm like, I just watched everybody I knew in Dallas get effed up by a big cold storm. Right. Yeah. And like, and it's not like, you know, you click on the listing is like good and completely re-insulated or something like that. And so many of them are like all electric and it's just like, I get it. Gas wouldn't like gas went crazy expensive too. like that. 
that all happened. But I'm just, I'm looking at the property. I'm going like, I don't know any of these places. I don't know. How did they do? How did Jacob and Victoria do this? Like, yeah, well, that, you know, and that's funny because it was, it was actually diff. It was sort of difficult for us because we weren't super familiar with the area either. And yeah. when we moved here, you know, we moved, we, we did come out first. So we did look around and stuff. And we, and that trip that we took out here before I quit the job at the company you currently work at, um, we came out and we looked at lots of stuff. We spent the entire vacation basically looking at apartments. Yeah. And, um, and it, that was also kind of an, a, another kind of weird thing. We did end up getting a good place downtown. Victoria still wanted to live downtown. And then about a year or so into that lease, um, you know, she was over living in the city. She was ready to mm-hmm. move to the burbs. And I, now I think, uh, we're both kind of, actually, we, we do really like our house still, but, um, and we like our neighborhood and stuff like that, but I think we're also sort of over the burbs even and kind of like, well, we sort of want to move back or not for her. It's not back to the country for me. It's back to kind of the small town, mm-hmm. but, uh, but for her, she, you know, this, but, but we both are like, well, look, the next move we're going to do is going to be for Childerberg town. But anyways, off that whole long side tangent, um, the, the finding things here is such a odd thing because well it's actually it's a similar situation to the seven cities it's just less divided because it's Mm -hmm. just dallas and fort worth bleed into everything so so you do get to a spot where you're just like like is this town dallas or is this town fort worth and like i would say that where we live it's it it is the true center where it's like truly between the two Mm -hmm. both distance wise and also just kind of like feel wise but if you just go a little bit west of here it's clearly fort worth and if you just go a little bit east of here it's clearly dallas yeah um and it's just just the feel is just different like there's just there's different types of people different types of houses um and it's just like what the what your industry is kind of centered around tends to be the makeup of the people but it's also just between fort worth and dallas and then probably up north to denton and then down i mean not 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 to Waco because there is a lot of just empty, empty country or whatever between here and Waco, but probably actually probably down to South Arlington probably would be the, the, the best way to describe it is this entire area is just like McMansion cookie cutter yeah. Prince scape. Basically it's where it's just like, if you, if it's not an older neighborhood, it it's, it looks like, it looks just like suburbia. Like it was just well, like the worst. It's like the worst aspects of suburbia. Cause I, I really yeah. like the suburban consumer culture kind of aesthetic and feel of like the eighties and seventies and eighties. But then there's, but there's this like this, like whatever. So like there was the movement into suburbia and I'll, I, I, I mean, this will be my whole weird, like long rant about like the, the American movement into suburbia, which may or may not have been a mistake, but regardless of that, Suburbia it was developed as a psychological pacifier to the American urbanization from where majority of people in the world were agrarians to where the majority of the people then came into the cities, but there was still some sort of connection, especially in America, there was still some sort of connection to the country mm-hmm. and everything about a suburban home 
was developed purposefully to make everybody feel like they were on a mini farm, basically, mm-hmm. but without without the food portion of it. So you had all of the all of the things that you need to do chore related to um, to sort of keep up the farm. There was the lawn, the bushes, all those things need trimming, and and those are things that mimic harvesting and things like that. And then there was very clear designs of the neighborhoods. Most neighborhoods are not grid pattern neighborhoods. They're cul-de-sac neighborhoods. So they are designed to feel like you're driving out into the country, even though you're not, you're just, you're pretty close to like a regular thing. And then the design of a house is the front of the, of most suburban mass produced sort of, uh, houses in these types of neighborhoods are designed to be like smiling faces or welcoming faces. Um, this is all part of like the architectural psychology. And this was intentionally done by the post world war II architects to, Mm -hmm. to make people want to be out into, in the suburbs. It was supposed to make people comfortable and feel good with the happy motoring where you are separated from the, the urban life and you move into this sort of, your own personal kingdom kind of thing. And I think a lot of that was very like your guys's house, I think is, is a perfect example of it done correctly. Yours is, is a little bit earlier than the post-World War II. Yours was the very beginning, the sort of World War One-ish time. Yeah, um, ours is a, uh, ours is late depression or like late depression built. Yeah. So you, yours is probably, de- yours was probably designed by a PTSD surviving, world war one vet. So it's probably got a lot of like, if you looked into it, there's probably a lot of design for it that is defensive. And it's really interesting to go into this because like people's experience, the designer's experience in these different types of mass produced houses is in those designs. And you can actually see it in like mid-century modern has a lot of, uh, because a lot of the mid-century modern architects came out of world war one. So there's a lot of the mid-century modern uh, mass produced designs that are designed like defensive structures Mm -hmm. where they have like kind of long hallways that are uh, reminiscent of uh, uh, trenches. Yeah. And like the, the taller, the narrow, the narrow, more narrow windows or the long flat windows and things like that. So anyways, these are like design aspects that kind of went into a lot of this stuff. But anyways, there was a lot of thought that was put into the development of suburbia in America. And I think it just sort of like compressed and compressed and compressed. And there's this one part coming from the airport going back to our house uh, where you go over, you know, kind of like a spaghetti junction overpass, underpass millions of transferred things. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Where yeah. There's like, where there's like 40 different, passes or whatever. So you're going over the top one of these and on the left side is like the worst hellscape of the worst possible culmination of this suburban design where every single building in the neighborhood looks identical. The roads do not curve. They're all on top of each other. They're all really long and thin and tall rather than being like a normal sized building, like, yeah. and, and like feeling good. It's just, it's, it's like this ultra compression of none of the trees are old. All of the trees are young and sick and the lawns are chemically produced. And I say this being somebody who has like a fake lawn, there are all these like chemical, like 
false, like the the apex of fake. Whereas it was originally designed to be fake, but fake to make you feel good. This is yeah, like but... too much. It's like the drug. It's it's like at this point, this is the suburbia, the heroin that you're only taking because if you don't, you'll die. Yeah. So to me, this is this is like to get to the anarchy part of this. That's Bill Clinton's America. Yeah. Like he like leading into like the fall of the Soviet Union, like you had the like Bush kind of tightening your belt sort of economic stance and like we're gonna have to raise taxes and like the one time where they kind of seemed like they were partially being responsible, which you know, obviously I know they weren't, but right, like his reneging and going back and like raising taxes and or allowing taxes to be raised, I guess, because or whatever. But like that whole Bill Clinton, everybody can have a home thing. And I think that's where like cheap funding came in to basically get these done as fast as possible and get people in them. Right. And there was no longer that we're planning a neighborhood sort of thing. We are like the, the idea just simply became, and like, I hate this concept of like complaint sound of like, right. make a quick buck. And yeah. like, that's the thing is like, I don't have a problem with people who make a quick buck. What I have a problem with is people who make a quick buck because they know the gravy train is going to end because it's a fake gravy train. Yeah. Like, well, I don't, it, it's, it's the, it's the forced high time preference where it's like, if you don't pass this, you know, Scott, Mark Skousen, speaking of who we are going to freedom fest next week. So, uh, hopefully, well, I probably won't put this episode out cause I never put an episode out, but, uh, the, uh, <laughs> um, you know, one of the the economic examples he uses to sort of illustrate the printing of new money is he lights a match and then he, you know, those long matches that they have yeah. where you can like light a fire. So he'll light yeah. one of those and he'll hand it to the student. He goes, okay, now pass this on. And and they'll pass and they'll pass and they'll pass and they'll pass. And eventually it gets to one student where there's not, there's no more to pass. And one of the students gets burned a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, and he goes, this is the, this is new money printing. And it's and it it basically it accelerates this whatever whatever's going on like it compresses and accelerates everything all of the you know I don't know if you have you you I don't think you read it the uh, Bitcoin standard no so it's actually really good even if you don't care about Bitcoin because he kind of goes through a lot of like basic economic stuff that I think was was good and I like the way he he puts it but. All of the things that are produced by bad money and bad economics is is like a perversion of a good thing. So mm -hmm. instead of having like good, solid music, you get Miley Cyrus, which, you know, she's I think she's talented. But like in all things being equal in a hard money society, I don't think that type of music would have taken out. This is a very high time preference music where it's like specifically generated to be creative and catchy and then all of the media is lined up behind it to push it so that then they can sell a bajillion records and then move on to something new and it's it's sort of that same kind of thing is that from this bad money system where 
what like what you're talking about is what, where you like making a quick buck or whatever is that mm-hmm. it's got to be compressed and passed very quickly or else whoever got the money first is not going to make profit. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like so one of the things that I like I don't know. I I'm at that point in the evening where I don't like I think the conversation is super interesting, but yeah. I don't have any mental energy left <laughs> to like cuz like I don't necessarily agree with the positioning on Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. But I also have a hard time keeping in my head how much further expansion there is in the availability of certain software and technology to produce music, which I think like we would have, like, it's always one of those things like, I think if there wasn't so much loose money, like yeah. we would have gotten to a lot of these things possibly very f- much faster because mm-hmm. so many more people would be trying to innovate um, or like the, the base level technology may have spread better. Like, I don't know how to describe it better than that. Cause like, it seems like to me, like right now, like smartphones have gotten like, remember when like smartphones were people were like doing the, like the phablet phone, which yeah. is bigger than the biggest current smartphones. It seems right. But like basically all smartphones have kind of like centralized around one specific point at this point. And right. like that has become super pervasive throughout the world it's like flip phones before it like yeah. flip phones were the last phone design before the phablet smartphone design like right. basically the sheet of glass that apple did and then everybody else has some sort of variation of yeah and then they, and and so, then they slowly they slowly kind of coalesce around yeah i mean there are different sizes i guess but they kind of all coalesce around basically two or three different sizes yeah and like they're all they're all like there's two or three basic sizes. And then within that, each one of those, there's slight variations is like, this one's yeah. a little taller. This one's a little wider, but they're all along those lines. And then like, so, but like, then you go to places like Pakistan, they never got the flip phone, but now they have the iPhone or right. like the, you know, Xiaomi equivalent or something like that. in like places in China where it's like, they never had all of that. So like, it's one of those just fascinating ideas of would we be as far along with the loose money or would we be even further along when people had to actually like stake money on an innovation? You know what I mean? Like, like, and I, I don't like him because he did so much stuff for the government, but like, look at all the crazy crap Howard Hughes did. Sure. Like he did it to like further his own love of stuff but then also like he was very good at making a lot of money. Right. And then like, but you think about it, like people forget like the Hughes companies are like, they still exist. Like, like there's a, but like they're all in the background. It's almost like, you know, he became the standout guy and then went bananas and then disappeared. But like his, you know, bunch of his corporations still exist. Right. And it's like, Oh wait, yeah, he did that. It's kind of like almost Illuminati. Like it's like, yeah, you know, you explode onto the scene and then slowly get folded into it. Right. Like, kind of like, um, like 
it never, I never quite understood how revolutionary like PayPal was. Yeah. Cause I never really used eBay mm. and then like started seeing like, and I've used PayPal probably more in the last five ish years than I did any, any amount before that. Like, and I don't buy a lot of stuff with, like, I don't use PayPal very often, but like, it was still like a huge amount of PayPal. So it's just like, Oh wait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, sort of on the PayPal side, like I paid for college with, 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 uh, eBay. So yeah. like I, I used it a shit ton. And then, but also kind of on the, like the innovation front, I, I think, um, there's two things that I thought of when you're talking about is one is, is sort of what, uh, Kevin Smith was talking about when he said like nowadays, pretty much anybody could make clerks on their iPhone. Mm hmm. And he's like, and I maxed out every card that I had. I took out loans from all the people that I could take out loans from to make clerks. And, um, and he goes, but if like I had been able to do that today, I could have done that on my iPhone, but then kind of on that same note, would we think of clerks the way we think of, think of clerks if anybody could have done it? Yeah. I mean, it's like, how many YouTube channels out are out there where people yeah. are making their living? Yeah. And you have never heard of them. Mm -hmm. Like there's like a, like there's a YouTube channel that I, I watch a lot or not a lot, but it's called Savage Geese mm -hmm. and there are car reviews. Oh, interesting. And they're like from like Ohio and, but like when I started watching them or like YouTube showed me them, they, you know, all of their videos had, like 400,000 views for each video. And like, you know, it's just stuff like that where you're like, and then like they'll go and get like, cause they, one of the things they, they're like, one of them is like kind of an audio file yeah. and they'll go get like high end, like audio recordings to test all, all like the stereo systems. Like they'll get these analysis done and you're like, you guys make enough money to do that? And then like, I also think about it. It's like how much of the price of that has come down? <laughs> like, right. And I think that's one of the, like, I think I guess we'll end with this kind of close to this is like, that's the, the issue with the coming stagflation is like, yeah. have you, have you started notice any like shrink in product size, but like certain uh, dimensions are still the same. Yeah. Well, so one thing that uh, I did read and I don't eat cereal, so I don't know that this mm -hmm. is true, but apparently in the last uh, year or so, they've, uh, they've increased the size of the box of a lot of cereals, but mm -hmm. the bag is smaller, the bag inside. I wonder if the bag's the same size, but the box has just gotten bigger. That'd well, be apparently, they, apparently somebody did like an analysis of this and mm -hmm. apparently they did, they decreased the inside, the bag on the inside or the, maybe it's not the bag itself, but the stuff inside the bag yeah. is about, is about uh 6.5% smaller than the previous version of it. But the box is slightly larger. And interestingly enough, according to the latest CPI cereal is actually one of the only things that deflated yeah. in price. Uh, whereas, but it's also, did it deflate? I don't know. And then the other thing, although this happened a while ago, the a bottle of Coke, the size of the bottle was slightly reduced um, by a very, very small amount. And also they reduced the amount of Coke inside by a very small amount. Hmm. And um, 
but this was this was a couple of years ago. But yeah, uh, I have. I mean, I've noticed our grocery bill going up substantially. Yeah, like uh, our gr- like. Go ahead. Well, so we you know remember like when like the toilet paper crisis hit, and I was telling yeah. you like I had accidentally screwed up and had bought like a year's worth of toilet paper <laughs> through Amazon. Um, we just finally kind of ran out of that. Okay. And we opened the new, like we bought a new thing and I thought the price of the new roll, new mega roll from Charmin or whatever was insane. It was like $24 from Wegmans, but like we also may have bought it at like the most expensive grocery store by sure. comparison. But like the toilet paper roll is as thick, but like when you put it on like the little, you know, the dispenser, yeah, it's like a half inch shorter. Oh, interesting. Okay. So like, still like as like much like lengthwise it seems but like there's like literally like half half an inch missing so like it when you put it on there like you can really bat it across the kind of the slider thing so it's just like oh my goodness so yeah well i think this is what we're going to probably see and i think we're actually going to see this in the stock market as well is there won't be necessarily like a huge crash but uh, you know, you know how they always are talking about a case-shaped recovery, whereas like the rich people get richer and the poor people get poorer. Yeah. But a lot of that is interdependent when it comes to like stocks and stuff because rich people tend to just put their money into investments, um, and at this point, like they want yield, and so for the last year, as new money is created and it goes to rich people, they put it in the stock market, and we've seen for the last year the stock market just go up and up and up and up and up, and we might be getting to a point where. There is no uh, like all of this reopening growth that people were expecting mm-hmm. uh, is not coming as quickly as they expected. Plus all of the other like fear mongering and things like that. And there's, I think we're going to get to a point where we sort of enter what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation before we started recording, where we get into this sort of like Japanese sort of not necessarily crash, but just sort of a nothing going on yeah. kind of thing where it's just sort of well, like maybe sideways, slightly down a little bit, sometimes up, sometimes, you know, well, and like it will a, just be there. It's the Obama years. Yeah. Kind of. Like yeah. And that's basically what five percent yeah. growth. Yeah. And like, it's the greatest recovery ever. So yeah, exactly. And it's, it'll just be that for, I mean, and this is really just the third Obama term. So yeah. it's just kind of going to be, that I think, I think it's just going to be this sort of nothing really is going on. We're going to start seeing the, the inflation will be covered up by things like what you're talking about. Well, people will be like, well, what are you talking about? You can still buy four rolls of toilet paper for the same price, but the uh, four rolls of toilet paper are reduced enough mm-hmm. that you could, you know, you're missing the fifth kind of. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think that that is a good place to end it. So we'll just kind of, yeah. I guess we'll stop there. We didn't really get into our normal stuff, but I'll go ahead no. and tag this as something that'll go out at some point and it'll just be our musings. Just, just put it out. Yeah, I'll just put it out right now. Good we'll idea. Just put it out as your uh, pre, uh, pre-flight pre to freedom. Yeah, that's right. So yep, I'm going to Freedom Fest tomorrow, or no, uh, Tuesday morning. So um, yeah. hopefully I'll see some of you guys there and I'll go ahead and just put it out right now. Cool. All right, All right man. man. Talk to you in the morning. Take it easy. Peace. Peace.